Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Guys, I love my family gatherings because my grandma is an incredible cook. Is anyone else's grandma an incredible cook in here? Honestly, I think it kind of comes with the territory of being a grandmother. Like, I think if one day I could somehow become a grandmother, I would become an amazing cook. Will that happen? No. Am I an amazing cook? No, I'm, I'm very basic. But I love family gatherings because my grandma's a great cook. And especially this time of year, she spends, for Thanksgiving and Christmas, she spends weeks getting together the snacks and the main entrees and the desserts and like the drinks. She just spends weeks getting it all together so that when it comes time for our big family dinner party, it's just a feast. And I don't know about your family, but my family loves to snack. That's just kind of our, our thing. Yeah, some, some heads are like, absolutely, I love snacks. And I'm like, yes, my people. And we just kind of end up like grazing like cows in the kitchen. We're just like, yes, this is good. And, and we just stay there. And then all of a sudden we're like super full because we've just been eating like two meals of snacks. And we're like, oh, I don't think I can do any more dinner. And then it's suddenly dinner time. And we're like, oh, just kidding. We're, I'm ready for around three or 10. And then dessert. And you're like, I can eat forever. Uh, and so I love the, the family gatherings that I get to be part of. Because yes, the food is good, and yes, my grandma is just an incredible cook. But really, as I got to thinking about it, as these gatherings have happened over the years and the meals have increased in number, I think part of the reason that I love them so much is just that I get to sit down to a table like this one with my family and extended uh, family friends and people that I love and, and just share a meal. And I think there's something special about a meal. Sure, maybe not every single meal that we have, like Culver's on the way home from practice or something, maybe isn't probably the most special thing in the world. But I think when we sit down to a table like this one with family, with friends, with people that we love, there's something special about that. We can laugh, we can celebrate, we can talk, we can just kind of sit there and relax. It's just, there's, there's something about it. Now I say that because tonight, we're going to be looking at the story uh, found in Matthew of Jesus eating with a really unlikely group of people, a group of people that you and I would never have thought someone like Jesus would eat with. And there's two things that I want us to see in this story that I think if we can see them and hold on to them, they can change everything for the way that we see ourselves and for the way that we see Others. So in Matthew chapter 9, we read this story, and I'm just going to read it from my Bible here, and I think it will be on the screen as well. So in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, it says this, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Okay, so there's the first, here's the first thing. Jesus chooses Matthew because Jesus chooses sinners. Now, Matthew was a tax collector, and what we need to know about tax collectors is that generally just first and foremost, everybody hated them. Nobody liked the tax collector. People don't like taxes now. It was even worse back then, and here's why. Matthew was a Jew. He was a Jewish man, and at this time, the Jews were under the rule of Rome. And so for Matthew to be a tax collector meant that he was working for Rome. And Rome was not a kind ruler. They ruled viciously, they ruled brutally, they ruled violently. And so for Matthew to be working for these rulers that nobody likes was like working for the enemy. And so Matthew was seen as a traitor. 
To make things worse, he was also seen as a thief because somebody like Matthew had the ability and would often act on this ability to charge a higher price than he really needed to and then keep the extra money for himself. So if taxes were, for example, $100 in our language, Matthew could potentially charge $200, $300, $400 and then keep that extra, extra several hundred dollars for himself, which people obviously did not like. And then on top of that, people hated taxes. And so Matthew was hated. He was seen as a traitor. He was seen as a thief. So he wouldn't have had any friends. And at best, people ignored him. And at worst, they absolutely wanted to kill him. So naturally, Jesus chooses him to be one of his closest followers and friends. Because why wouldn't you choose the guy that everyone hates? Jesus goes up to his tax collector's booth where Matthew, right at that very moment, would have been charging overpriced taxes to people and says, follow me. And Matthew just gets up and goes. We read this same story in the Gospel of Luke where we read that Matthew left everything to follow Jesus. Now, Matthew didn't have a lot of friends, didn't necessarily have a ton of close family either, but we do know that he would have had a lot of one thing, money, stuff, possessions, And yet all of a sudden, those things did not matter anymore. To Matthew, for some reason, the worth of following Jesus was infinitely greater than all of the stuff and the possessions and the material goods that he had gained over here. So Jesus chooses an imperfect, hated, really just long list of sins guy like Matthew because Jesus chooses sinners. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this. We reread it in the next few verses. It says, well, in verse 10, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. All right, so Jesus chooses Matthew, right? And Matthew leaves behind everything to follow Jesus. And all of a sudden, Matthew is thrown into a life of following Jesus. I kind of think about it like this, like Matthew probably had heard about Jesus. And so he starts following him. He's like, all right, what's first? We're going to walk on water. We're going to heal some dead people. Like what's going on, Jesus? And Jesus is like, actually, Call your coworkers and everybody else that no one likes and invite them to dinner at your house. And, I, and Matthew's just in the thick of it, but it's awesome because this is probably the first party that Matthew ever threw. Because remember, he was hated. People didn't like him. He didn't have friends. So this was the first party Matthew ever would have thrown at his house because no one would have come. But things are different now because Jesus is in the picture. And Jesus' parties are for the people that don't get invited to parties. And so that's what happens in Matthew's life. He just, he's thrown into the middle of it. And, and this party is for these tax collectors and sinners. Remember these people that stole, these people that no one else liked. And then this very general term of sinners, these outcasts, these people that no one else liked, people that were ignored, people that had a list of sins longer than the dictionary, people that you don't really want to think about, people that you think you're better than, they were invited to the party. Because this is the second thing. Jesus invites sinners. Turn to the person on your left and say, Jesus invites sinners. 
And so, for the people that are normally the big party throwers, the perfect people that think they have it all together, that everyone should be more like them, well, they don't like that they weren't invited to this party. They do not like the people that are at this party. And so they show up. They show up to this one party that they weren't invited to. I just can't imagine they kind of come up and they're like, hey, uh, they start asking questions. They just kind of, they're pointing and they're like, hey, what, what's the deal? But, but they don't ask Jesus these questions. They ask his disciples, maybe because they were afraid of Jesus. I don't know, but they didn't like the people he, were hanging out with, he was hanging out with. And so they ask Jesus' disciples, they say, hey, why, are, why is your teacher hanging out with, with these guys, these, these tax collectors and these sinners? In other words, hey, why is your teacher hanging out with the losers and, and the nobodies and, and the people that, that we don't even want to think about, the, these people that are just kind of gross to us that we would rather not even look at. Why is your teacher hanging out with those people? I mean, doesn't he get that we're the ones he should want to hang out with? I mean, we have power. We, we're popular. We have influence. Why wouldn't he want to hang out with us? He obviously, he obviously doesn't get it. Like, he, he, Jesus is missing something. And Jesus has something to say about that. And he wasn't asked the question, but you can bet your bottom dollar that he gives the answer. So Jesus looks at them and he says, it's not the healthy you need a doctor, it's the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He says, don't you get it? You, you completely missed the point. You've completely missed the point. I, I'm not after perfect. Perfect is the last thing that I want, Jesus says. Why? Because it's the perfect people that think that they don't need anyone. It's the people that might recognize that they're sinners. It's the people that might recognize that they are in need of a Savior that might actually believe and trust that Jesus could help them. That might actually believe and trust that the life Jesus offers them is greater than the one that they're living. That might actually believe that they could use some help. But that's not what these perfect people thought. They had lived their whole lives thinking, if I just do everything right and I never make mistakes and, 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 and I always look good doing the things that I'm doing, then I can earn the love of God. And they completely were wrong. They were completely wrong. Jesus says, that, that's not what I'm after. That's, that's, in, that's completely wrong and they just, they missed it. A sick person doesn't do anything to be healed by a doctor besides recognize that they're sick, right? Like you don't go to the hospital and then all of a sudden have to do these tasks and show them all of the good things that you've done for them to be like, all right, we'll operate. Like that's not how it works. But that's what these people thought. They thought we can get to God, we can sit down at God's dinner table if we just do everything right. And they were wrong. God does not, or we don't come to God. God comes to us. I mean, think about it with Matthew, right? Matthew didn't get his life together, give all the money back that he had stolen, quit his job, get a haircut, and then go to Jesus and say, all right, I've put my life together. I'm ready. Jesus went to him while he was sinning. Like in the act of sinning, Jesus said, follow me. And Matthew did. And Matthew did. So, and, and it's the same thing with the sinners and with the tax collectors. They didn't get their lives together before they were invited to this dinner party. 
They were invited in the middle of their imperfect, their falling apart, their catastrophic lives. And so, seventh and eighth grader, as we think about this idea of a table, we think about this dinner party that Jesus threw at Matthew's house, and we think about my grandma's great cooking. Here's my question. Where are you in this story? Because here's the thing. What was true then is still true today. Jesus chooses imperfect people. Jesus chooses people that have a list of sins that are really long and people that have done things that they wish they hadn't done. Jesus chooses those people. Jesus chooses sinners, which means that Jesus chooses you. And Jesus invites those people, which means that Jesus invites you. Jesus chooses you, and Jesus invites you. Jesus chooses you, and he invites you. See, we live in a world that sits across from you at a table like this one, and it looks at you and it says, okay, if you're perfect, if you never make mistakes, if you do everything really, really great, and you're better than everyone else, then you'll be loved. Then you'll be chosen. Then you'll be invited to be a part of a ton of awesome stuff. But it's not until you get everything right. And Jesus turns that around. He says, no, that is not how I operate. He says, you're never going to be good enough to sit at the table, but I'm going to come to you anyway. I'm going to choose you. I'm going to set your place and say, hey, I saved this seat for you. And I'm going to ask you to sit down. Why? Because he wants to. Jesus wants to be with you. He likes you. He loves you. He wants to spend, he wants to hang out with you. He just wants to spend time with you. And so if, if you can, put yourself in the shoes of these people that were invited to this dinner party with Jesus. I mean, they would have heard about Jesus. Jesus was popular. Everyone knew who Jesus was. Everyone wanted to kind of be around him to see what Jesus was about. And they would never have been invited to a party like this. And then all of a sudden they get the invitation. They're like, me? And this will be easier for some of you than others because some of you know what it's like to not be chosen. You know what it's like to not be invited. You know the feeling of rejection, that feeling of loneliness that these people had known for all their lives. Matthew certainly knew it. And what's true for them is true for you. And it will be true to, it's true today and it will be true for the rest of your life that Jesus chooses you. Jesus invites you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to talk with you. That he isn't going to reject you. And we can know that because we have the cross. We know that Jesus isn't going to reject us because the cross is final. We can look at the cross of Jesus that says, while we were still sinners, on your worst day, Jesus died for you. On the day that you prefer to not remember, the day that you think, man, I, I need to just go to bed early that day or something because, man, I made a lot of mistakes. That day was the day that Jesus decided to die for you. And then with him, we could die and then raise again so that we could replace the rejection and the shame and the death in our lives. Instead, with compassion, with forgiveness, with freedom, with love, and with eternal life that's found only in him. There's a place for you at this table of Jesus because Jesus has made it so. It has never been, nor will it ever be, about good or bad things that you do. It's 
only about him. And for those of you that don't know what it's totally like to be rejected because you've not really experienced that. You've been chosen for things. You've been invited to things. You, you've got the popularity. You've got the stuff. You've got the, the influence. I, I, I just wonder what it might look like for you to just consider, just hear me out, that maybe you don't have it all. That maybe the life that you could have with Jesus is infinitely richer and greater, more fulfilling, more satisfying, more adventurous than anything that you could do on your own. And so you might have lived most of your life thinking that you could earn the love of the people around you by being a good athlete, by being a good student, by being the best in your club, by being the perfect child. And I'm sorry if that describes you because that's exhausting. I mean, I've been there and man, it's, it sucks. But the good news is that this story tells us something different, that with Jesus, we don't have to live like that anymore. That Jesus already loves you before you did that really bad thing that you're not proud of and before you did all of those really good things that you are super proud of. Jesus loved you before either of those things and he invited you to the table before either of those things. And it's not because of anything you've done, it's just because he's merciful, because he's gracious, because he loves you, because he's good. And he's invited you to this table to be a part of what he's doing. He's inviting you. He's saying, why don't you sit down and we can talk. We can get to know each other and I can tell you about what it is that I'm doing in this world, this rescue mission that I'm on. And we can get to know him through, through the Bible. We can get to know him through prayer. We get to know him through the church, through community. But he's saying, why don't you just, just sit down first and stop just trying to earn the love of everybody around you. It's exhausting and truth be told, not gonna work. Jesus chose you. He is choosing you and he will continue to choose you. Jesus invited you. He is inviting you and he will never stop inviting you. He's that good. He's that loving. So you have a seat at the table. Your name's here. So why don't you sit? It's a really good place to be. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christchurch, visit us online at cco.church.